midfield. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat here on CLNS Media. CLNS Media, of course, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you can follow CLNS on social media, on Twitter's at CLNS Media. Facebook, just search CLNS Media and we'll come up there. Of course, don't forget to download the free CLNS mobile podcast app uh, for iOS and Android. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast iTunes, stick to the whole nine yards. If you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Of course, it's easier for you guys if you subscribe too, because then every week the new episode just comes right to your advice. So that being said, a lot's going on in Boston this week. The Celtics are front news, of course. Uh, They just won the draft lottery for the first time in like the history of the franchise, but we're not here to talk about that as much as Jess and I might want to. Uh, We have baseball to talk about. So guys, um, a mad week for the Red Sox, a lot going on, some news here and there we'll get to, but first of all, and a mere week for the team. It was a mere week for the Red Sox, a good week for the Celtics. Like my emotions were just like all over the place for Boston sports this week. But a mere week, I'll take it over a really crappy week. But still, I, I'd prefer a good week over a meh. Yeah, the Red Sox are lucky that the uh, Celtics are commanding the attention of Boston at the moment because they're just piddling along around at 500 and uh, Celtics are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So definitely in mid-May here when the spotlight would normally be on them, the Red Sox are lucky to get a little uh, distraction. Hopefully they can figure it out um, in the next next two weeks to a month uh, when their distraction won't be on them anymore. So yeah. that'll, be the, that'll be the task. I don't think anyone in Boston is ready for them to be the only news yet just because the Celtics are playing so well. Uh, but that being said, you know, Red Sox time and the limelight's coming. It's around the corner. And a lot of people might not know details of what this team's gone through. They might just be looking at record, glancing at some box scores until it really gets into the meat of the season, which is whenever the Celtics are done. So at that point, um, we need to, you know, talk about this because this is this right now. Our podcast, of course, guys, is the only stream of news that some people listen to. So we want to update the people what's going on who don't have time to watch all these games or who are putting their attention to the NBA which in the NHL playoffs, which games have been phenomenal so far. So a lot to get to. Um, we have John Farrell firing news. Uh, Travis Shaw came back up in the news as well. Um, but let's go to the recap because it was a midweek. So Jess is going to take us through that. We'll give you MVP, and then we have some things to update you on with injuries and, and the whole nine yards here. So let's start with Jess's recap. Um, of what was really a meh week for the Red Sox. Yeah, we were all a little positive coming in. I know um, me and Jared both said win two out of three from the Brewers. Lauren said sweep. And unfortunately, it didn't go so well. And especially at the beginning of the series, uh, the first game was a lot of runs. Uh, the Brewers won 11-7 to on Tuesday uh, to take the first game of the series. They got five of those 11 runs in the first inning of this game. 
uh, after the Sox actually went up one nothing when Betts hit a home run to lead off the inning and start off his great week, which we'll get to. Uh, but unfortunately, Eric Thames hit a two-run homer. Travis Shaw got an RBI single, and Keon Broxton hit a two-run homer. And it was 5-1 to one after one inning. Those runs were all off Drew Pomeranz, who only went four innings, giving up seven hits and six runs. So a bad start for him. Fortunately for the Red Sox, Willie Peralta for the Brewers was not much better. He only lasted four and a third innings. He gave up five hits and four runs of his own, um, which allowed the Red Sox to come back a little bit. But when they made the comeback, it was 6-1 to one in the fifth inning. Betts got an RBI double, Pedroia got an RBI double, and Ben Intendi got an RBI double. It was a double parade. That made it 6-4 to four with each of those runs. Unfortunately, with... That comeback got a little bit stopped in the sixth inning when the Brewers got three runs back, highlighted by a Nick Franklin two-RBI double. Uh, ben Attendi made it 9-5 to five in the seventh with an RBI single, but the Brewers got two more runs in the bottom of the seventh with the Keon Broxton two-RBI triple. He had a great game. Betts had a two-RBI double to cap off his great game in the eighth to make it 11-7. to seven. That's all we would get. Uh, Betts was 4-4 four for four with four RBI and two runs. Great start to the week. Benintendi had three hits and two RBI, which is good because he has done literally nothing since then. Uh, but he had a good game on Tuesday. Unfortunately, and the offense was fine, but the uh, the Brewers' offense was that much better. They got three runs off Hembry in .1 innings. They got two runs off Ben Taylor. So the bullpen was unsteady in this game and obviously getting off to a 5-1 to one first inning. Not the way to win a ball game. So after getting 17 runs on Sunday, this is kind of a, a big-time downer uh, to start the week. Yeah, and like seven runs isn't that big of a deal if you know your pitching staff or your bullpen can hold the Milwaukee Brewers all teams to less than seven runs. But you know, I look at this game and obviously other games throughout the week, and the bullpen is really the biggest issue in my thought process of what this team needs to fix. And obviously, you know, Carson Smith will be back hopefully sooner rather than later um, to help patchwork that. But uh, you know, Thornburg, who knows and. Uh, we talk about that all the time, but, you know, we can't wait for the situation. So, obviously, we have to see what kind of happens because he's not going to – Dombrowski's not going to make a move now. He's not going to do that this early in the year. But at the same time, this team needs something in the bullpen because that's the biggest issue right now. I don't look at the rotation as the biggest issue because it's pretty much the same as it was last year, if not better, because you put Chris Sale in it. So, the bullpen is the problem, and this game's pretty much case in point because you gave the Milwaukee Brewers 11 runs. Yeah, it's – uh you nailed it with the bullpen. I don't. I don't see the rotation as an issue either. It's. I just constantly find myself saying like, "Oh, the the bullpen blew another game," or "Here comes the bullpen." With whether you, they have like a lead or if they have a good enough lead, they blow it. If they have, if they're down by like twelve, they they blow it even worse. And it's it's so frustrating to watch because it's kind of like, you know, when Chris Sale goes on the mound, we're like, "All right," we're, it's like pretty much a guarantee it's going to be. A good game. It's like when Kimbrel comes on the mound, it's you know guaranteed to be good game and good closeout. And you just have people from your bullpen come in who who aren't Kimbrel, and you're like, oh no, here we go. Yeah, it's you know it's weird because it's kind of like there's not a huge issue with any of the three parts of the team necessarily in my mind. Like the bullpen obviously is a little shaky with because you don't know exactly what you're going to get from each guy on a particular night. Sometimes he'll be good, sometimes he won't. But there's been nights where the bullpen's been good, uh, and then there's been other nights where the starters are good, there's been other nights where the offense is good. But what the problem is is none of them can seem to get to get, get it together on the same night. It's like, oh, the offense is good, all oh, the pitching's bad. All oh, the pitching's good, the offense is bad. Oh, the pitching and the 
offense is good. Oh, the bullpen's bad. That's the problem. I don't think any of the one, any of the three, are really that bad. It's just they can never seem to get on the same page in the same game. I also think you know, that that that's difficult. You know, it's hard to ask the whole. This whole team's not going to be the same page every night, but one part of this team does need to be consistent. It needs to be a constant for this team to be what we expected it to be. You can't ask for the offense to show up one night, the pitching to show up another night, and then nothing be consistent. If they want to be the team that we expect them to be, you know, come back and potentially win this division and do something in the playoffs, one thing needs to be consistent. You know, we all expected it to be the offense, but it's not there. So the bullpen would be nice, but that also being said, something needs to be consistent for this team to be considered a really good team. It's like they're taking uh, taking shifts on when to be good. Like, all right, Seriously. offense, she'll be good tonight. Like, it's like a part-time like, job. Right. Like, come on now. You like, work for it. Like, come offense, on. <laughs> offense, take a rest. You guys were good yesterday. The bullpen will be good today. It's like, no, all right, no. Switch it up a little bit. Defense will be good. So it's it's definitely frustrating because we have a good team. We know we have a good team. And they just they just can't be on the same page. Like you said, it's it, it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, they just haven't haven't put it together, and that's why they're around five hundred. I mean, that's you know that's what five hundred teams are. You win half the games, you lose half the games. That's kind of that's kind of what's happening here. A little little unable to just go on that little you know four or five six game winning streak and get above five hundred. So, but it's only the middle of May. Uh, we'll move on with the recap though. Uh, Wednesday's game was more of the same. Um, not bad offense and bad pitching. Uh, seven to four final. The Sox got eleven hits in the game, but the Brewers got thirteen. So it's just Kind of the same thing here. Uh, same two guys added again, Eric Thames and um, Keon Broxton. They both played well again. They both had two hits. They combined for three runs and an RBI. Uh, this game was started by Kyle Kendrick uh, against Chase Anderson, and Kendrick was not good again. He gave up ten hits and six runs and four and a third innings to up his ERA to 12.96, and he's 0-2 now. Uh, not good at all. The Brewers got up 2 nothing in the first uh, with a couple RBI singles. Jackie Bradley Jr. cranked a homer in the top of the second to break out of his long slump. Well, not really break out, but help the cause. Um, Sox tied it at 2, actually, with a Betts RBI single in the fourth. But then the, the fifth inning happened, and this is what's been happening to Kendrick and his two starts. Is he pitches pretty well for a couple innings and then gives up a huge inning. Uh, and this was the fifth in this game. Thames had an RBI double. Shaw had a RBI fielder's choice. And uh, Hernan Perez had an RBI single to make it 6-2. Uh, the Sox would never get closer than three runs in the game, and they lost 7-4. to uh, Kendrick was dropped to AAA after this game because he's had two really bad starts. Uh, this, this really was just a case of getting down in the middle of the game and getting plenty of hits. Nine hits off Chase Anderson, but just couldn't get the hits at the right time to score the runs when they needed to. And that is a recipe for another loss. This is the, this it's is just, the consideration. It's so frustrating. I feel like I'm going to say this about every game that from last week. It's it's so frustrating. And I know Kendrick, We, I mean, I didn't really expect him to be great, but I didn't expect him to suck bad like okay i didn't expect kendrick to be great i but i didn't expect him to be this bad um you know six runs and two starts his era was absurd and the hits he gave up and it was just absolutely horrendous i'm not really sure why they thought you know he'd be a good depth option I understand he had a really good spring training. He wasn't doing all that great in AAA, but 
I mean, I don't, I don't want to say we got what we expected from him because I didn't expect this at all. But it's just, it's just another question mark on the rotation because we have, you know, Velasquez coming up. We have Price coming back. Drew Pomeranz hopefully not missing any any starts with his tricep that we'll get into later. But it's just lots of question marks and frustration. That's going to be the word of the show is frustration. Yeah, and the season's been frustrating because it's not it's high it's a lot higher expectations than they're actually playing. They're not playing to those expectations. And you know Kendrick has disappointed because we expected better. We we thought he was going to you know be this lightning in a bottle type situation when we still watched him in spring, and he hasn't really lived up to that since. So. Uh, obviously it makes sense for him to not pitch the next start, and we'll see um, what happens with this rotation. But, you know, it's shaky right now, and I'm not as concerned about the rotation as I am with the bullpen, like I kind of mentioned, because of the fact, you know, you do have Price. It looks like he's coming back and ready to go. Pomeranz got away with the scare there, and um, it's not as worrying to me, but, like, you know, in this game, you go from scoring seven runs and losing to scoring four runs and and giving up seven runs and losing. It's just This is the consistency of, you know, the offense, and we'll talk about the offense, but... It's just not there right now, and that's what scared me in this Brewer series is they couldn't hit when they needed to. Indeed, except for on Thursday, which we'll get to right now. Uh, this was exactly hitting when you needed, which is a good way to end the series off. It's a Thursday matinee game with Eduardo Rodriguez in the mound against Jimmy Nelson. And uh, this was a really well-pitched game. Uh, each guy pitched well. The Red Sox got a run in the first inning on a error. And then nobody scored until the bottom of the sixth when Jonathan VR hit an RBI double to tie it at one off Erod. And that would be the score going in the ninth. Uh, Erod pitched six innings, three hits, one run, no walks, five strikeouts. Very, very good start for him, as most of them have been. And Nelson also went six and two-thirds with eight strikeouts, only giving up four hits and one run, and it wasn't even earned. Um, So that brought us all the way to the ninth inning, and Mookie Betts crushed a three-run homer to give the Sox a 4-1 to lead. Christian Vasquez and Devin Marrero were on base, made a 4-1, to and Craig Kimbrell pitched an inning and two-thirds in this game, struck out every single battery face, gave up one hit, I got out of an eighth-inning jam, and then got the, uh, the win with the three strikeouts in the ninth inning. So he continues his stretch. So this is the kind of game he wanted, because unlike the first two games of the series, they got good starting pitching, they got great closing, and they got a huge hit exactly when they needed it. This was a good game. Yeah, this is this is exactly the kind of game we needed, and especially to close out a series, avoid being swept, and, you know, every, everything was on point. You know, Mookie Betts was doing Mookie Betts things. Craig Kimbrell was doing Craig Kimbrell things. And it was just nice to see because just the last two games against the Brewers were so frustrating, just runs everywhere, just nothing was like clicking for this team and to come in and close out the series against them with this kind of game and this kind of outing for Kimbrel was just kind of refreshing, even though it was still a meh week. It was, it was definitely refreshing to see just kind of everyone on the same page. The offense clicked. Rodriguez pitched really well. He's been pitching well all season. I think that's kind of overlooked just because of the season and probably sale and thrown in there too, but just definitely a game that they needed to win and just every everything just seemed to work well for them. Yeah, I think that and we don't need to spend too much time on this game because it was it was basically a textbook win. Um, you know, with Erod pitching well and the offense coming through in the clutch with Mookie Betts and obviously Kimbrell doing what Kimbrell's been doing this year. Um I think this is the kind of baseball we expected them to play consistently this year. I'm hoping, you know, 
we get Price back, he gets consistency in this in this team a little bit more as injuries start to come back. You know, Brock Holt is close potentially coming back as well. So, um, this is a really good win for this team. They needed it when they they got it when they needed it the most, especially because they didn't want to get swept by the Brewers of all people. Um, and and they got it done when they had to. And man, just Kimbrel just looked phenomenal this year. I will rave about him every week if he keeps pitching the way he has. He's looked amazing. Well, he's been in one of the best closers in the league for his entire career. He just had some some location problems last year with, with walks. And now he's giving you everything you could ask for and more because, obviously, the bar wasn't as high this season because of the season he had last year, which was still good, but not up to his par. And, boy, is he is he parring it and a lot more right now. He's he's looking fantastic. He is just wheeling and dealing. It's And it's this is the guy that we wanted last year, and this is the guy we – we want on our team and he just looks so good out there he looks so confident when he comes into the game it's not like last season where I'm like oh no we have a we have a lead and this is going to be bad it's like yeah Kimbrel's in kind of like that Papelbon feeling you know when he came in and we all got so pumped up to see him I'm, it's like that kind of similar feeling and that's what I want when I see your closer come into the game I don't want to feel uncomfortable when when our closer comes in because that's obviously our closers in the game to to close out the game to get that save. So he just did a complete 180 this season, and I could rave about him all day. We should just do an hour show on Kimbrel. He's unhittable. He He is is. literally unhittable. He's so good. Like, guys have no chance. He literally strikes out like 90% of the hitters. It's insane. Yeah, he's he's fun to watch. That was was a great trade. Turns out now, especially, I mean, it was... Seriously, he was good last year. It just he just wasn't as proven. 100% it was the walks. To get That's the, the problem. That's the problem. Right. The walks last year, but he f- clearly figured it out because you know you find the strike zone with that fastball, and and you're going to be very successful. Yeah, his fastball is blazing. It's awesome. So that was that series. Lost two out of three. We all got it wrong because you know we didn't pick that. <laughs> and unfortunately, we did not get uh, this race series right either because Jared picked a sweep. Me and Lauren picked two out of three. And another losing two out of three in this series, uh, starting with Friday. Uh, this was an annoying game. Um, it was a 5-4 Tampa Bay win. This was a home game. Uh, Rick Porcello started. He went six innings, gave up nine hits, five runs, three earned, no walks, seven strikeouts. Um, if you take away the two two earned runs, it wasn't terrible. Nine hits, too much. But unfortunately, all the runs came at a similar time in the fourth and fifth innings. Uh, Tim Beckham hit a two-RBI single in the fourth to make it 2 nothing. And then Corey Dickerson had an RBI sing- uh, double in the fifth. And Evelyn Corey had a two-run homer to make it 5 nothing. Uh, so it was 5 nothing after five innings, which is obviously pretty tough to come back from. And Porcello's been he's been prone to the home run ball you know, pretty much his whole career. He even gave up a lot of home runs last year in his Cy Young season. Um, so you kind of expect that from him at this point. Fortunately, the Red Sox made a little comeback in the seventh. Um, due to some bad Tampa Bay defense. Uh, Josh Rutledge got the first run in uh, on an infield single, and and uh, Chris Young scored on an error. Then Sandy Leone hit a two-RBI ground rule double to make it 5-3. And then another error for Brad Miller this time uh, scored another run. Uh, Sandy Leone scored that run. And it was 5-4, to four, unfortunately, not aided by errors. The Red Sox couldn't score any other runs. Um, there were five errors total in this game for both teams combined. The Sox only got five hits to go along with their four runs, so it was just you know, a case of getting down 5 nothing, uh, being aided by a few errors to make a little comeback, but just not enough juice to make that comeback 
uh, with only five hits. Alex Cobb started, went four innings, uh, six and a third innings, four hits, four runs, three earned. He was not too bad, but Sox couldn't score off their bullpen, and that was that. So, you know, it's hard to give up five runs over two innings, get down five nothing, and expect to win the game. They almost did, but you can't expect that. No, you can't expect that at all. And again, it was it was frustrating, and you can't just try to win the game based on errors. I mean, sure, it, it looked that way for a little while, but it's a, just another case of the where everything just wasn't clicking. It, the offense couldn't pull it together. It just it was just a mess, and it was just another frustrating game to watch this week. And it's I don't know this whole I think it was just this week has been the most frustrating week for for the Red Sox this season yeah it definitely seems that way because you're playing against teams that you know you should have been able to kind of handle and have a big week and we sat here and talked about it last week when we did our predictions it was this is a week they need to have because they're playing the Bruker they're playing the Rays these are teams you should have easily taken care of and now you lose two out of three of the Brewers you lose the first game against the Rays and you can't figure out why because the consistency is not there. And after a good win at the end of the Brewer series, you thought, okay, maybe they salvage a game here and just go and kick the Rays' butts. And it didn't happen. And you're like, okay, what the heck is going on with this team? And I don't even know if it's the consistency is not there because of motivation or what it may be. I truly believe it might be a lack of leadership. Someone isn't really taking control of that locker room, and I believe that wholeheartedly because it is a young team, and no one in that locker room has re- I say replace David Ortiz because you can't do that. But that mental leadership role, I think, is a big part of what's going on right now. Right, like that. We're going to go out there and win. We need to beat these teams that should be worse than us. That kind of attitude just doesn't seem to be there. It's kind of like, well, anybody has any chance to win any game. That's kind of what it seems like to me. It's just, you know, especially losing two games to the Brewers and uh, we'll get, you know, get to the second loss against the Rays, losing two against them. It's, you know, this is a week that you should not have really had a problem going four and two, but instead two and four, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just like everyone seems to think they can beat the Red Sox and that's not what a good team is. So, they brought us into Saturday's game. Uh, this was the one win in the series because who pitched? Oh, Chris Sale did. Well, you know, that's going to be a win. Guaranteed, <laughs> unless the offense doesn't show up, which they did, which is nice. So, this was a good game, uh, much like Thursday's game. Got a good combination of everything. Um, Sale did give up a couple of bombs, forcing the offense bailed him out. Logan Morrison hit a home run in the second to make it one nothing. Fortunately, Mookie Betts continued his rampant week with a two-run homer in the third to make it 2-1. to one. But Kevin Kiermeyer jumped right back on top for the race with a two-run homer of his own in the fifth off Sale to make it 3-2. But fortunately, just a half inning later, the Red Sox got four runs with a Devin Marrero two-RBI double. Big hit for him to give the Sox 4-3 to three lead. Betts at an RBI double to continue his insane week again to make it 5-3. Xander Bogart's in an RBI ground out to make it 6-3, to three, which was the final. Chris Sale pitched seven innings, only gave up two hits. Those two home runs were the only two hits he gave up the entire game. So three runs from those home runs, two walks, and 12 strikeouts again. It's his seventh straight start with 10 or more strikeouts. So, you know, he gave up a couple of runs, but... You know, if you give up three or less runs, you should expect to win. And fortunately, the Sox scored the six runs off of Blake Snell, who gave up six hits and six runs in five and two-thirds. And uh, Craig Kimbrell came in after Joe Kelly. They both pitched clean innings, two strikeouts apiece. 
to uh, to close it out. So 16 strikeouts total for the Red Sox. And any time you have Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell pitching in a game and you can score more than three runs, you're going to win. Chris Sale getting run support is just a recipe for winning. If you get Chris, Chris Sale more than three runs in support, if not three, you're going you're gonna to win the game. Just because he's that good of a pitcher, he was only struggling with wins because of the fact that he couldn't get someone to score more than a run for him if that. If the Red Sox can score for Chris Sale, they're going to win those games just because he has been that good, and he did it again in this game. I mean, is there anything Chris Sale can't do? This, it's He's been so much fun Gain to weight. watch. Well, yeah. He was, <laughs> I, I, I know that problem all too well. It's Me too. The blessing and a curse. But <laughs> he's been unbelievably just amazing this season. I don't even it's, it's just such an understanding. On the mound, he's just so much fun to watch. And the intensity, the emotion just that you just – he puts into every pitch, not just every game, but like every pitch you just see. Like he's out there to strike guys out. He's out there to get them out. And that's exactly – the kind of player this team needs and they it's nice to see them get run support for him because that was a huge thing you know his his record wasn't really reflecting his his outings but my god seven straight games double digit strikeouts like what can't this guy do i know it's funny you look at his outing and you're like oh he gave up two home runs not a good outing from sale and then you look further and you're like Oh, those are the only two hits he had the entire game, and he had 12 strikeouts. I can see pitch pretty well. <laughs> it's just crazy. He's he's nasty. He leads the league in strikeouts by a lot. He's just rolling. I mean, he's 4-2 and two right now. He could easily be 8-0. Um, I mean, obviously, at this, we're not handing out Cy Young in the mid-May, but if Cy Young was announced today, there's no way he's not getting it. Yeah, no. He, this, if he keeps pitching like this, um, then I don't know who would go, even go anywhere near him for that award. No, I just I don't see anybody coming close to what he's doing. If he keeps on this on this pace, obviously, I know it's only May, but no doubt, like early front runner, there's nobody close to Chris Sale. I mean, he's got the most strikeouts. The ERA is two fifteen. Obviously, four and two doesn't matter, but that's better than <laughs> better than any other record that's worse than that. Even though it should be his record should be way better than that, but. No way. No way you can't give it to him right now. I mean, that's the funny thing about this team right now is that they're 19 and 18, yet they have the best starter in the league and they have the best closer in the league. <laughs> that make, doesn't make much sense, does it? No, it absolutely doesn't because in some of their batters, like look at Mookie Betts, look at Benintendi, like look at the things they've been doing. and Bogarts. The Bogarts, yep. they're just a mediocre 18 and 17, 19 and 18 team. It's it, it's my, it's, it's weird. Uh, my mind is <laughs> blown. You think about what the talent you have on this team and the best pitcher stats and the, and the, and the Craig Kimball stats and what he's doing. The record doesn't make sense for what this team should be doing. We set the expectations very high this year. I think they personally will, do think they will turn it around, but they got to get healthy and the bullpen has to figure their crap out very soon. And Dave, and David Price coming back. And hopefully, if David Price comes back, and if that'll be great because that'll just be like you traded for a really good pitcher. In June, you know, this is true. So, yeah, I think signs are. I mean, there's no reason not to be positive. It's you know the talents there. Just got to get get everyone healthy and get everyone on the same page and not lose key players like Betts, Pedroia, Bogarts, Sale, Kimbrell, <laughs> Porcello. Yeah, right. You yeah, know yeah. the main the main guys. Not losing those guys is is obviously key. 
uh, to, to having a good season. So shouldn't be freaking out yet. But Sunday's Sunday's game is a reason to freak out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're at least if you're watching the ninth inning, uh, the rest of it wasn't too bad. Um, this game was started by Drew Pomerantz and Matt Andrees. Disgusting Mother's Day, awful weather, terrible game. Sorry to anyone who had tickets to that who thought they were going to have a nice warm Mother's Day. Great game. Didn't get a great game. Didn't get a good weather Mother's Day. Didn't get anything. It was crap. But Andrew Pomerantz got hurt. Everything great. Uh, he lasted three innings and then came out with some triceps tightness. It appears he's okay. But they're very, very precautionary with him because of his his history, obviously. So the second anything happens, they're like, oh, okay, we got to get this checked out. Even though so far this season... Everything that's happened to him has supposedly been nothing. Uh, he gave up three hits, two runs, three walks, three Ks. Uh, came out of the game. Matt Andrees only went five innings, giving up two runs on four hits. So really, this is a bullpen game. And the Rays' bullpen did not give up any runs. The Red Sox' bullpen did. And they gave up a ton of runs. They gave up nine runs. Yeah, this was, this was ugly. Uh, ben Taylor gave up one. Barnes gave up one. Robbie Ross gave up three. And Heath Henry gave up four. So pretty bad overall. Uh, the game was a 3-2 to game in the fifth inning after Bogarts got an RBI. Uh, sorry, after Pedroia got an RBI single. That made it 3-2. to uh, the, the, the Rays made it 4-2 to with an Evan Longoria uh, RBI single in the seventh. And then it was the ninth inning where the Rays got four... RBI singles and then a three-run homer from Steven Souza Jr. to make it eleven to two. So really, it was a pretty close game until the end. Unfortunately, uh, it was it was close throughout. It was close into the later innings, and then just the cover came off for the Red Sox an eleven-two loss. So, you know, pretty bad bullpen effort. But obviously, the key to this game was Pomerantz getting hurt and supposedly not being bad. Bad end to the week, but. I guess at this point you just got to move on, <laughs> move on from the week, and uh, and try again, try for some better luck against other teams. God, the bullpen was so bad in this game. Like, what, what couldn't they? What could they do wrong? Well, what couldn't they do wrong in this game? Is the better way to say that. They like, could do everything wrong. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was bad, considering it was a very attainable game for the majority of that game. Yeah, I, it was. It, it was bad. It was it, just a bad game all around, from the weather to the bullpen to the score. And it was a close game, and then all of a sudden it just fell apart and just absolutely just the Red Sox got annihilated. And it was – I had to recap this game, and it was just not a fun game to I'm recap. I'm sorry. Just be, it, it was it was, it was was bad. It, I'm like, after the game ended, I'm just like, I don't even know what to say. Like, this is this is wild. It's – the bullpen is just terrible, and – I don't know. I can't even make like a good thing out of it. I think I gave Christian Vasquez the game MVP because he was the only only guy to get two hits in the order. Everybody else had one or none, and I was like, I I don't know who to give it to. It's such a, it's all around serious struggle. Yep, that was the story of the week. You know, eleven runs given up against the Rays and the Brewers, seven runs against the Brewers. You know, five against the Rays. It's just not a good not a good outing for the uh, the pitchers. Besides Chris Sale. And Eduardo Rodriguez, they were only two pitched well this week, uh, and the offense didn't show up for for about half the game. So that'll that'll happen, I guess. Sometimes it did happen. It's a two and four week for the Red Sox against two winnable teams, unfortunately. But we will give the MVP of the week absolutely to Mookie Betts, who absolutely 
destroyed this week, which is unfortunate that they couldn't get more than two wins. But he had 10 hits, nine runs, four doubles, four home runs, and 13 RBI. That's that's about as good as a week as anybody's had for a while. Yeah, I'd say this week was very shadowed by the crap results that the team had to deal with. Like, yeah. you know, no one really talked about Mookie Betts this week. One, because the whole team was overshadowed by the Celtics. But, you know, this team wasn't playing well as a whole. And so Mookie Betts having 10 hits, 9 runs, 4 doubles, and 4 homers, and 13 RBIs isn't a big deal right now because the whole team that's played a, like that. That's crap. a great week, though. It's a phenomenal a great week. week. Like, like that's, that's MVP, you know, caliber week. Yeah. Yeah, you can't argue that. And I think, you know, it absolutely got overshadowed because of the crap week that was. But, you know, light at the end of the tunnel is Mookie Betts. And I'll take any kind of positivity from this team that will come this way. And if it's in the form of Mookie Betts, then I'll, I will take it. Especially for him, too, who, you know, he had a little slow start to the season and got sick and then kind of picked it up a little bit. But the power wasn't there. And now he's got the power. He's driving at the runs. He's getting hits. The average is rising. So he's kind of putting everything together here in the middle of May. And that's what you want from him. Because, you know, I'm sure even though it was even though it was the beginning of the season, people make quick decisions. And uh, they were probably like, oh, he's not as good as people think. He was he was protected by Ortiz, blah, blah, blah. So this was kind of Betts' week to say, all right, screw all you guys. I am this good. And watch. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was phenomenal. So there you go. There was the meh week recapped. Um, Mookie Betts gets the MVP. Red Sox struggle to get two wins this week. Of course, Chris Sale wins because he always wins. Um, and Jess's recap in our opening segment here on Red Sox beat course is brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek ticketing app the smartest and easiest way of course to buy and sell sports and concert tickets you get a 20 dollars rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone uh, if you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the code garden report uh, all one word for your 20 dollars rebate and so SeatGeek knows who sent you uh, lack of a better kind of example Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals and they're playing at home save some money and you want to go to the game that's the best way to do it. And then the Red Sox, you know, when they start playing better, save some money on some seats and go watch the Red Sox too. So uh, definitely use the promo code Garden Report for your first purchase. Um, a lot going on Red Sox-wise, like we just kind of talked about that situation um, in the week that was. Now, one thing that we kind of wanted to touch, and at least I wanted to, was the offense and where that consistency has been. Um, but I want to start with the conversation of where that, what JBJ is up to. Um, because, you know, everyone kind of came into this situation in this year as, oh, Jackie Bradley's one of the three, uh, young stud outfielder, obviously great defender, you know, maybe he figured out the plate as well. And now I question if he should, if he should, if, if he should even be on the field. Um, situation where, you know, you have Chris Young who can play, and you have other guys who can play outfield. And why is he, I wouldn't say why is he getting a shot because he's, um, was on the bench for a little bit, but may- maybe he should be. He should get a little extended uh, period run in the pine. Yeah, much like this, the last few weeks, much like this whole season, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been extremely frustrating to watch. And I mean, we know he's a streaky player. We know what he's capable of. We know that he can be good. Um, as to why he's in the field, I think it's because his, his glove and his defense. And I know. I totally agree. You need to hit Chris Young if he's hitting well and he's not a bad outfielder by any means. I think you need to play him while he's hot and let JBJ kind of ride it out on the bench. And I understand, you know, bigger name on your on your roster and you don't may not want to do that. But it comes down to what's best for this team, who's going to produce and 
what's going to make this team win games? Yeah, I'm definitely annoyed with him. Uh, he did hit a home run tonight in the game that's currently on a Tuesday here, which is good. Um, but just wildly inconsistent. He's just cracked the 200 mark tonight. I mean, he was hitting 182 to start the game with two home runs and seven RBI. That's terrible. I mean, that's even worse than past seasons. Yes, I know he has a 29-game hitting streak, but overall, his averages have been terrible every season, even with that 29-game hitting streak. He still only hit 267 last year. He's a career 234 hitter, which is terrible. Not what you want, and I don't think 234 is worth the glove he has because there's other good defenders in the league, not as good as him, but certainly serviceable and good enough, and I don't think that a 182 average, 200 average, should be good enough to keep in the lineup. I really like the guy, and I know he works hard, and I've always been a fan of him, but it's just like, how many times, year after year, are we just going to have to keep watching him be horrendous at the plate and hear excuses of he'll get better and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, man, either figure out how to hit or go somewhere else because I'm getting tired of it. And I always believed, too, that you know they were using his playing time as a way to kind of build up value to trade him, but that would have been last year because he had that hitting streak and you could have got some value for him, and now you stuck with him, and, and now we're seeing what he really is. He's not that good of a hitter, and I don't think he's ever going to figure that out consistently. And, you know, part of me wants to think, oh, maybe they're just trying to get, get him in there and get him reps and get him back in because they could use him to trade for a bullpen arm and be rid of Jackie Bradley. But I don't believe that that's even going to happen because if, if that was their plan, they would have probably traded him last year. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I mean, he hit 26 homers last year, 87 RBI, 267 average. He gave you reason to believe that he could do this. And it's like, you know, we even maybe believed maybe this is real, maybe this is what he is, and, you know, now of this season, he's barely cracked 200, he's only hit three homers, it's just like, it's just not there, and it's, is is he a 20 home run hitter guy, is he a 267 hitter, is he a 150 hitter, should he be hitting 10 home runs, like, what is this guy, he's so all over the place, like, it's so hard to know what he actually is, maybe he doesn't even know what he is, I don't know. (laughs) Exactly, you said it best, like, what is he like? Because he's so streaky, he's so inconsistent, and like you said, he the, how he performed last year is you know he gave us reason to believe that he could be that kind of player. And now it's just kind of like, what is going on? What is he doing? Why is he swinging at that? It's every time it's like that uncomfortable feeling when he comes to the plate. It's like, oh, here comes a strikeout. Here comes an automatic out, and it's it's frustrating to see him struggle because, like you said, we we've seen him the 29 game hit streak we've seen him crush home runs we've seen him hit the ball we know he can hit the ball I'm just not sure what's going on in his head right now like not everyone can hit 26 homers that's not easy to do (laughs) no and I don't think it's an expectation I think it's just you know um he's had a career long like non-success at the plate situation he he hasn't been good at the plate has one good year, and now I think he, he sets the bar of, oh, crap, i got to hit like that again. But no, realistically, you don't. I don't you, if you can just hit 250 and be kind of consistent and don't have high ups and downs, don't be a peaks and valley hitter. That's all I want out of him because he's that good of a defender that if he can just consistently like you know get hits here and there, hit, hit 250, 260 over the course of the year, but not hit like 400 and 100, like, then fine. That, that's, that I'm okay with. But it's the peaks and valleys, and when he gets really down, it's pretty bad. And, and at that point, it's pretty much a guaranteed out, like a pitcher hitting in the National League from the American League. Like, it's just, that's how inconsistent it's, it's getting. It's bad. <laughs> it, it, it's just 
really bad. <laughs> but you're right. You're right, Jared. It's like you. It literally feels like an automatic out. You're like, oh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is up here. Comes a strikeout. It's like yeah. no confidence in the guy. Even if the even if they had the bases loaded, I look at that and go, oh, well, might as well just channel the innings over. Like I, I, yeah. I don't even want to watch it unless something happens and I turn back. Like that's how bad it's gotten. Yeah, I mean, I'll like it's kind of like, oh, I'll close my eyes, like horror movie kind of thing. Like oh, I don't that, even want to see what's going to happen. Like don't just wake me up when it's over. It's and that's bad. pathetic for a guy who hit 26 homers and 87 RBI last year. Like how how far how fast do you fall? I mean, hopefully he turns it around, but I, you know you think he's running out of time. I mean, the guy's gotten chance after chance after chance after chance. Seriously, um, and this chance. Yeah, and, and add more to that. And this whole team has gotten chances. Like, this offense has gotten chances. You know, there's holes everywhere. And uh, this is kind of an easy transition to what we also want to talk about because of the fact that you, you played Travis Shaw this week. Um, this team's struggling to produce anything offensively, consistently. You know, Jackie Bradley's a big problem with that. But also the hole at their base is a very, very big problem. Um, you have guys who can play defense who can't hit. You guys who can hit who can't play defense. Right now, Travis Shaw's looking pretty, pretty good. Out in uh, Milwaukee, and he's looking like what you what you need. You need that consistent third baseman who can play. Um, and I, I think you could have been able to keep him this year, and you should have been able to keep him. And um, obviously, the other half of that trade is currently on the sixty day DL and might not even pitch this year. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you're missing Travis know. Shaw, right? Like you're yeah. missing the guy. You have to be. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Well, the word of the, the word of the show is just is frustrating because. I mean, I, I understood the trade, and I, I understand it like, completely. But to see him, I'm glad he's succeeding, and I'm glad he's successful. I don't want the guy to fail by any means, but it's like, can we just have him back for, like, a month? Just a little rental. I just, I'm guy. Well, it's, this shouldn't be an issue, because Pablo Sandoval should fuck so much. That's <laughs> the issue. Travis Shaw should not be the issue. Like, I, I liked him when he was here. I think he's a good player. He's a little inconsistent, sure. But, like... You trade him because you expect Sandoval could maybe have you know one good season out of five maybe. What, what, we're expecting from this guy. How much money can you pay the guy? I hate talking about money too. I hate that completely. But like, how much money can you pay the guy to literally never play? Like he, ninety-five he go, million dollars. Yep. <laughs> ground for a ground ball and hurts his knee for three weeks now. At this point, you can't even bend down on your knees without getting hurt. Why am I getting so worked up about this again? It's like this is the guy who needs to be playing. Why isn't he playing? This is the guy you signed. You shouldn't need a utility Travis Shaw player. You shouldn't be wishing he was coming back because nobody can play third base because frickin' Sandoval is such an idiot. Oh, I, I, agree, I agree that Sandoval should be playing third base, but I do still think you should have been able to keep Travis Shaw as a backup to the corners without having to, tra- to, to trade him away. And get, you could have got Thornburg without trading Travis Shaw. Yeah, you could have, but regardless, like, who's to say that Travis Shaw would have had that kind of season that he's having out in Milwaukee but I mean yeah I absolutely do miss Travis Shaw for you know reasons like this but you know just like you said this is our third baseman and you know I everyone you know kind of craps all over the guy for bending down to get a get a ground ball and I completely understand it's it's frustrating to watch because he just like you said he just bends down to get the ball and he just dies and that should not have been an injury I mean come on it was a routine routine sit on your knees play it was, and I know knee injuries are tricky, and I've, I have, I, I tore tendons walking upstairs, so it's, it's completely, like, knees are just ridiculous, and bodies are just gross in how they work, but... Well, you didn't have the best medical care in 
ever either. Ex- You're not exactly. a professional athlete in the Red no. Sox. Like, you know? <laughs> but, and I, you know, I wasn't rushing to get back to anything either, but it's, it's frustrating because, you know, I, I don't like bringing money into it either, but we can't pay this guy to not play. We can't pay him to not even be on our bench, like, because he's injured and he's just not there. And it's, it blows my mind that he didn't really play last season and there's so much hype around him. And yeah, it was more of a marketing sign than anything, but it's like, I mean, how many, again, chance after chance after chance, how many chances can we give this guy? Is it because we're, we have him for so much money or is it because we know he can be a good third baseman? I I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, just why, why is the guy so bad? Even when he does play, what do you hit? Like two fourteen when he, when he actually played this year and he didn't get a hit last year in a six, six at bats or whatever he had it's like even when he does play he's awful he was terrible three years ago he's always terrible so he better come back and hit like 500 for the rest of his career he's gonna be as big a disappointment as carl crawford more crawford at least played this is true crawford did play while he was here um not well might i add but he did play he was on he was on the field he was absolutely garbage um (laughs) just i think justice handled a little too much negativity this week so let's let's go positive let's go positive um Just for justice sake. <laughs> so there's a few things that could be nice this week. Um, Brock Holt could return this week. Um, obviously, we know Drew Pomeranz might have escaped with the tricep tightness and seems fine. Uh, David Price has probably one more actual physical like rehab start at Pawtucket. Looking to throw about 95 pitches, and he's he's due to be back at the end of this month, early June. And Hector Velasquez is pitching this week. I don't know how that's going to go, but... You know, there, there are good signs for this team getting people back, escaping some other injuries. Um, are these good, unfortunate signs for this team? Are they? Is it fortunate enough that this team might have some signs that are looking up going into June, potentially? Yeah, I think it's definitely helpful. I'm glad Pomerantz uh, dodged a bullet because unlike pretty much everybody, I'm still a Drew Pomerantz fan. I think that he's a good pitcher. I think he just needs to get out of his head and just pitch, not worry about injuries, stop getting hurt. Um, so I'm glad that he's okay. Uh, I'm glad that Holt's returning soon because even though I basically told him that he's done for his career a couple shows ago, uh, <laughs> if we could really use his depth uh, and his his uh, his utility-ness on this team right now and maybe after getting healthy, he'll you know, hit a little bit like he did when he was an all-star, which just hasn't happened for a little while, but get him back. That could definitely be helpful. Uh, Velasquez I'm excited about because I always like seeing new pitchers and see if they're they're good. Don't know much about him, but I do know that he had a 155 ERA this season in AAA, which is really good. And AAA is only one one step down from, from the majors. So, you know, that could be a good sign. Um, excited for that. And, yeah, Price, I mean, I don't want to be excited for him because I don't want him to come in and give up 30 home runs in three, three months when he comes back. But if he comes back and he is good and he is, like, an ace-like quality pitcher, then I'll be very excited for that. And then Carson Smith, man, if he's actually going to come back when they projected it originally, like, beginning of June, that would be great because he was my player to watch for last year, and I have literally just been waiting with open arms to see him pitch forever. <laughs> I'm so excited about him. <laughs> I can see Jess now just there with flowers waiting to greet Carson Smith with open arms and just give him a big smooch. Love it. Just sitting on my couch with my arms wide open for like two years. <laughs> Come on, Carson. Come back. I'm waiting Car- for you. <laughs> Carson, I'm still waiting for you. I'm still here, I promise. Um, You're still yeah. a player to watch for. So, 
I'm excited for people to come back, and f- I want Thornberg to pitch. I want to see this guy. Is he ever going to pitch? Discomfort. We're going to we're going to search all the options. Okay, Farrell, make him pitch. I want to see the guy. Come on, yeah, get the with, guys back. With Thornberg would be phenomenal because he was pitching really well in spring training, and everyone around him said like this guy's got electric stuff. He's moving the ball well, and it looked like he was going to be that really good, consistent eighth inning guy. You know, that's what we said about Carson Smith when they got him too, and he for the two games, whatever it was, he pitched. Last year before he got hurt again, like, he looked really good. And so, you know, is the reason why Red Sox fans are excited for these guys because we're people are giving them reasons to be excited. And if they can get healthy and get on the field, obviously Carson Smith will most likely pitch this year. I don't know about Thornburg, but Shit, me either. there are positive signs for this team. And I think David Price is a big one. Um, as much as his playoff history sucks, his regular season dominance shows. He is a good if not really good pitcher in the regular season, and that's what this team needs right now, just to right the ship. Like, I don't even care about the playoffs right now, because right now, they're not in the playoffs. Like, this team needs to get consistent, and that's where David Price, coming back in a couple weeks, will, what, what that'll do. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to get guys back. It gives them a little bit more depth, no matter who it is. Um, you know, for Price, especially. And, you know, I'm excited for Velasquez, too, and you know, Jess, you, you nailed it when you said, you know, good ERA. And it's nice to see them going with a guy from AAA who's pitching well and not somebody like, you know, Kyle Kendrick, who wasn't doing the best down there. But, oh, he had a good spring training. We'll give him a shot. So I'm excited for that. And I am excited for Price to come back. My hopes aren't super duper high just because I don't want to get them high for him to just absolutely blow it and just be terrible. And then I don't want to read his Twitter and I don't want to hear anybody else talk about how terrible he is because we're just going to do it every week if that's how he's going to be so I mean I think this rotation needs him but they need they need the David Price that we know he is and if he can be that pitcher I don't even want to think about our rotation like Sale, Porcello, Price you know Rodriguez keeps us up it's going to be strikeout city yeah, we don't need uh, Kyle Kendrick, David Price. We need David Price, David Price. <laughs> David Price, David Price, yeah. Yes, we do. Yep. Or Chris Sale, David Price. I'd take Chris Sale, David Price, over oh. David Price, David Price. Or Rick Porcello, David Price. Yeah, I'd take Rick Porcello, <laughs> David Price. Even Eduardo Rodriguez, David Price would be good. <laughs> I'd take Brian Johnson, David Price, so. you take Brian yeah, Johnson, Brian David Johnson, Price. so. <laughs> but not Tyler Thornburg, David Price. We don't need that. <laughs> no, not, this year, not this year, at least. No, not this year. Maybe last year, even. Not, not this year. Yeah, maybe last year, Tyler Thurmberg, <laughs> David Price. Oh, David, <laughs> David Price. Just come back and pitch well so we can all shut up. Um, I'm, I'm sick of making fun of you. I want you to, be, I want you to pitch well. I want, yes, I want this please. team to just be well again. God, oh, it's awful. Okay. Um, and that's all he wants, right? Because he just, he just wants to pitch. Like He hates everybody. He hates the fans. He hates the city. He hates everybody. So they all they all hate him. So he just got to pitch well, right? He said it himself. Yeah, yep. seriously. Um, okay, so quickly before we move on to around the league stuff, just guys, just here, I know we've been praising Craig Kimbrell and his, and his everything he steps on and walks on all year, but just yes. comments quickly on his immaculate inning because that was just ridiculous. Oh my goodness gracious. Like what is there what is there to say about that? He's just absolutely dominant. I love it. I love every minute of it. I want more of it and I just want I want this to be consistent. I don't I don't expect him to throw immaculate innings every time he's on the mound, but I want he's good. He's that good. <laughs> he's good. And I won't expect it, but I'm not gonna complain if it happens, but he's 
he's here. He's doing exactly what we need him to do. And I just, I want him to keep doing this because he's just so much fun to watch. And he's easy on the ice. I won't lie. <laughs> well, let me give you some stats for him. Uh, because stats tell the story. Because and his stats really stats? I love stats. You ready for these stats? I'm ready. All right, everyone. Here are Craig Kimbrell's stats this season. <laughs> 16 games, two wins, no losses, 11 saves, one blown save. We'll give him a little, little uh, mulligan there. Uh, one hold. 16.2 innings in those 16 games, six hits, two runs, one homer, two walks, 33 strikeouts, 1.08 ERA, 0.48 whip, and a point one oh seven. I don't have to say the point there, a 107 batting average against. That's insane. He's only given up six hits. Two walks compared to 33 strikeouts. It's the guy who walked everyone. He walked the house last year, and he has two walks this season. Guys are hitting 107 against him. It doesn't get much better than this. Nope, it doesn't, and I'll take that every day. I want updated stats every week on on Kimbrel now, Jess. I would be happy to give them to you, and he's warming up right now here in this uh, this Tuesday game, so... More Craig it's yes. gonna be hard to keep up with those stats because those you can. It's hard to go anywhere once you once you have that that stat line written and recording. So hopefully uh, he can keep that up as he comes in tonight as we're recording. But um, Craig Kimbrell is just phenomenal. This is what we expected. Everyone was whoever was excited about the trade said, you know, you didn't give up too much. It's Craig Kimbrell. This is what we're talking about, people. Like this is the Craig Kimbrell that didn't. Who cares the prospects you gave up? Like did anyone know their names besides maybe us? But like. This is why you trade. You, you maybe paid a little bit more than you should have. You overpaid for Craig Kimbrell. This is why. You're, you're seeing why you paid overpriced for Craig Kimbrell because of the fact that this is what he does when he's on. And now he, I think he I, figured it out. I just can't believe he has two walks and 33 strikeouts for a guy who what, everyone complained about his walks. Like that's pinpoint. Everyone control. under the sun last year. He walked everybody last year. Yeah, he had 30 walks. That's a ton for a closer. But like these 33 and two is like Koji. Like Koji level, I mean Koji would have like seventy strikeouts and like three walks. <laughs> like that's that's incredible. That's immaculate control. Seriously. Um. So obviously, Craig, I could, I could, like, like Lauren said earlier, we could do an hour show on Craig Kimbrell. Well, we're not going to do that. Um. So a lot of stuff went all around the majors as well. Um. But we're, I want to touch on one thing and one thing only because, um. It was a big deal. Derek Jeter's number was finally retired as as a Yankee, um, and some people said it was overblown. Some people said he's overrated. It's all, all going to come out of the woodwork, but you know he deserved that. It's weird the fact that no one can wear a digit number ever for the Yankees ever again. Um, and I know we're a Red Sox podcast, but I just for one more time want to you know put out there that he is one of the best baseball players to ever play the game. Um, he was consistent. He was good all around for the league. Yeah, even as a Red Sox fan, you had to respect the guy, and you liked Derek Jeter. You wanted to go to Fenway to watch Derek Jeter play. You wanted to do all this. So, you know, rightfully, no, no one else is going to wear number two ever again in the pinstripes. No, and I, you know, I've got nothing but respect for Derek Jeter, but it's a little weird that, you know, anybody incoming on the Yankees will never wear single digits. That's like 25% of their numbers or something crazy like that. It's like the Celtics all over again. It is, and don't, that doesn't even count, that doesn't count the numbers that, that are current right now. So it's like, here, kid, you can't, you're going to be like numberless jerseys. Like, sorry, kid, you don't get a number well, yet. That's but. what happens when you win championships. I mean, the Yankees have, have 26 or 27, whatever it is. Celtics has yeah. 17. When you have that many championships, you're going to have a lot of retired numbers. That's just kind of, that's just kind of par for the course. But yeah, yeah, I mean, 
he deserves it. Obviously, he played 20 years for the team. He was the leader of the team. I mean, stats aside, obviously, you know, it's he wasn't a huge home run hitter. He wasn't he wasn't this. He wasn't that. People can have their complaint, but he, you know, he was a lifelong Yankee and meant a ton to their team and uh, won a lot of championships. That's all you can ask for. I mean, if his number didn't get retired, I'd be wondering what's wrong with their organization. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, yeah. No, we all saw it coming. And it's like, you know, uh, David Ortiz said he wants this kind of ceremony for for himself. He's going to get it at some point. No one's going to wear 34 again. Um, The Red Sox will put his number up there with Pedro. Next month. Yeah, so it's no one's going to wear it. So he's going to get that. It's going to be a great send-off just like Jeter got there. And I'm sure that Fenway's going to go nuts when it happens. So, um before we get out of here, obviously we've talked, we've covered a lot. We, I want to just make sure we pay our respects to Jeter one last time. Despite this being a Red Sox podcast, he's that he's that well respected around the league. Um, so this week we have two against St. Louis. They're currently playing as we speak, and then they have four um, in Oakland at the A's. So, um, Lauren, how do you see this week kind of shaking down? Hopefully, a decent week for the Red Sox because they do need it. Yeah, I'm taking a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals, and currently it kind of looks like they're going to take the first game. Hopefully, let's they'll take the next one tomorrow as well. Um, if Craig Kimbrell has anything to say about it, absolutely. And <laughs> you know, the Cardinals aren't the best at interleague play, and we've beat them in the World Series, so I kind of hold that over their heads. And I just think it's <laughs> going to be just they're going to get back on this winning track, and despite last week kind of put me in a meh mood i'm still staying optimistic and they're going to sweep the cardinals for sure look at you optimistic i'm going to, i'm going to split um hopefully that one wins tonight because we obviously have the lead at this point um but the cardinals are a good team they're 21 and 15 uh i feel like a lot of times two game series are splits and a two game split on the road against one of the better teams in the league i will certainly take so i'm going to split against them um, I have them sweeping the Cardinals. I've promised you people we did, did do these predictions and write them down before this game started um, and we before did. this game was over. So I promise it's not just because they won. I definitely have them sweeping the Cardinals. Um, they need that bounce back series. I, th- I, have, I don't know why. I have a feeling it's going to be uh, against the Cardinals. Like Lauren said, they have a kind of a past history of not doing too well in, in uh, interleague play. Um, and then four against Oakland. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against my gut again. Last year I went against the sweep of the Oakland A's and it happened. Uh, but I'm going winning three out of four from the A's because of the fact that they haven't been playing well. They're going to slip up at some point, I think, this week. And um, I'm being super positive. That I'm, I'm saying they're going 5-1 and one this week um, just because, again, they won the first game. Who they're playing four games against in Oakland, I think anything less than a 4-2 and two week is kind of disappointing to me, at least. You're weird, Jared. Mr. Negative over here, if the team isn't even playing well and you're still going 5-1, and one, I think... I mean, to find the uh, the old Jared Scally. Chris Sale <laughs> Juju. Chris Sale Juju spreading out, spreading on me. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I got winning three out of four from Oakland as well for a four and two week, obviously with the split of the Cardinals. Uh, the A's, once again, are not good. They are never good. Apparently, I don't know why they can never be good, but they're uh, 16 and 22. They lost four games in a row. Too bad the games uh, are in Oakland because they're 5 and 14 on the road. So if it was a Fenway. That'd be a pretty ugly series, hopefully. But they're okay at home. They're eleven and eight, but overall they're not good. And uh, I like the Red Sox chances. Not going to sweep, but I think three out of four is pretty reasonable and much needed because you know an over. So I think a three uh, three out of four would be good. Uh, four and two week. Uh, I think that would be a reasonable week and uh, get get off the Schneid for a uh, a five hundred team. 
get a couple games over 500, be a good start for uh, the rest of May. Yeah, I mean, as much as I wanted to pick uh, three out of four as well, I feel like there's always something that kind of goes wrong with the the crappier teams. Um, I know like that the Angels. I always struggle against the Angels. Yep, and there's always something. And I know when they played Oakland last year, they didn't do fantastic. But I'm going to take a split for a nice four and two weeks. Still pretty optimistic. Not as optimistic as Mr. Optimistic himself, but I'm still I'm <laughs> the making new Mr. Optimistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, I think four and two is reasonable. I hope it's nothing less. I I'll take a six and zero week, but I think four and two is good, and it'll keep my spirits up. If they go anything less than that, I'm gonna be a little sad next week. <laughs> like I said, four and two. I think anything less than that is a disappointment. Hopefully, they go six and zero because we wish that every week. Um, so there you go. Jess has them going four and two. Lauren five and one. Uh, myself five and one, and I think. Oh, wrong week. I read the, I read last week. They're both four and two. I'm five one. Like that doesn't seem right. That's weird. Um, Jess kept That's you. That's not what she said. I was like, that's not what she said at all. I have them going five and one because I am super positive. For some reason, I don't understand it. But uh, that being said, that is the, uh, the show for the week. Don't forget, of course, to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. The show, of course, was brought to you by our good friends at SeedGeek. Don't forget to check out the uh, Garden Report promo. Uh, if you want $20 off, just put that rebate code in there in the settings tab, and you'll get your $20 off, as well as ZipRecruiter and Audible. Check out them as well. Um, obviously, you can follow CLNS on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook, search CLNS Media. You'll find us there. Uh, of course, the app as well on iOS and Android. Rate, review, and subscribe us. Red Sox are about to be the only news in town after the next couple weeks, so want to get us out there as much as possible. Red Sox coming off a meh week. Looking to extend it. Looks like they're going to win this game tonight on Tuesday as Craig Kimbrell is coming in to hopefully save the game. We'll be back next week to talk about it and the rest of the week. For Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas, I am Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. Talk to you next week. <laughs>